tired. So tired. Hello, you are listening to the Overtired Podcast. I am Jeff Severns Gunsel, and I am here with Brett Terpstra. Christina is away this week. Hello, Brett. Hello, Jeff. Um, I had a dream last night that we had already recorded. Or like I we <laughs> did we did the recording in my dream. Uh so I have already spent in dream time, I've already spent an hour talking to you. Um, it, in which almost everything that could go wrong did go wrong. There were crashes and restarts and like we started and I forgot to say who was doing the intro. So there's this whole like garbled thing at the beginning. And then I swore, wow. I swore right away because I recently read that, uh, and it doesn't matter for us cause we don't monetize on YouTube, but on YouTube, if you drop the F bomb in the first 15 seconds of your video, According to the new profanity rules, you get demonetized. Um, wow! And you can you can use the f bomb after that, um, as long as it's not. I can't remember how they phrase it, but like it was like, don't do it too much, um, and don't put it in your screenshots, your like your thumbnail image. Um, there's all these new profanity rules, but they're actually laxer than what they had before. Now, now you can say the f bomb and still get partially monetized. Anyway, like that was on my mind. So in the dream, in yeah. the dream, I was intentionally not swearing. That's amazing. Yeah, man. Well, it's too bad we can't access that file somehow. I know we could save a lot of time. We could have but... a real, really trippy episode. It was. It got weird. It got weird. <laughs> well, let's see what happens in uh, in real life. Yeah. So. So we're going to reinstate after a couple weeks off uh, the mental health corner. Would That's you right. like, would you like to kick off the, the season? We should start season four soon. Um, <laughs> season three was like five episodes. Was it? I thought it was yeah. like, tw- it was 20 episodes. We're on, this is really, oh yeah, it's 20. Oh my God. See, this will, this ties into my mental health check-in actually. All right, go for it. Um, I don't know. I think it's just that I'm trying to do too much, but my sense of space and time is really messed up. Like it wasn't good to begin with, but I'll be in a conversation. I was just in a conversation with my wife. Actually. I was like, well, we talked about that on Friday. She's like, "Eh, it was Monday. I was like, Oh, (laughs) uh okay. Got it. And that's not just being like a stupid sitcom husband. It's like, (laughs) no, I mean, that's, that's a common ADHD symptom. Like time yeah. dilation and yeah. But it's, it, it's been really, really hard the last couple of weeks. I mean, um, and I think it is, I'm trying to do too much. I'm doing a lot in the house and doing a lot at work. Um, there's a lot of sort of at work, especially I'm wrapping up a five-year project, which is going to take a few months, but it's like, there's just a lot of feelings around that. Um, and just a lot of work around that. I took on a new role in our, um, I'm I'm a member owner of a of a research uh, cooperative, a, a research firm that focuses on um, mostly on social justice efforts, essentially. So organizations that have social justice at their focus, we do research and evaluation for them. And so I'm I also took on a new role um, uh, on the board and, and with our organization. And so I don't know, man. I just I, I'm 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 daily noticing myself kind of failing to um 
remember things that it's kind of unbelievable I failed to remember. <laughs> um, and, and, and despite having notes or whatever else it is, I mean, I just I can't, I've never been able to fully explain it. They do describe it as an ADHD symptom. Um, I just, it, it doesn't, even, even with that, it doesn't seem like, it seems like I should be able to um, get on top of it. It seems like I should be able to systematize it but sure i've i i'm not sure that for me i believe in the longevity of systems anymore sure. um and i am i am constant evidence of that in my life <laughs> so like what is there anything historically that has worked for you to stay on top of these things that that rationally seem like you just shouldn't forget but you do i mean my calendar works pretty pretty well for me. Uh, it's just that one of the things that can happen is I can look at my calendar in the morning and have forgotten most of it um, by lunchtime. Yeah, you know, like I do the whatever. same. I do. And and that just, it makes me crazy. So like what I used to do, the two things that have worked, two things that have worked for me is to just grab a note card and write out my schedule in the morning. Um, sometimes then I never have to refer to it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and otherwise I have like a yeah. little reference card like, next like to me. Like just the act of writing embeds it better in your brain, right? Yeah. And yeah. then when I had jobs that were, when I've had jobs that were more, that lent themselves more to daily routines, um, I I would, I remember when I, I was a editor at Utney Reader Magazine and I handled our website and I would just have a, a handwritten checklist that I photocopied that just had the things that I needed to, you know, yeah. uh, check or do that day. And, and, and I could kind of look over a week's worth of those and be able to see what I missed and what I didn't, whatever the, <laughs> since we're talking about it, the other thing that it has worked really well for me, and maybe this is the other thing I need to do is I mean, I, what part of, I mean, why, why what I'm describing can be so bad is it, is that I work with other people, right? Like there are people that are depending on hearing from me or um, that I'm waiting on something from or whatever it is. And I have found in my life that if I, if I forget to stay engaged with people, even just a back and forth, maybe by text or whatever, it, people quickly fall into the background. Um, the world outside my four walls, this office I'm in now quickly falls into the background because I'm just, I'm just so focused on whatever's right in front of me and sort of triaging or whatever else. Right. Um, but anyway, one thing I used to do, I used to have this, I should I say used to, I've actually probably brought it. Uh, I, I've, re I've resurrected it several times in life, a daily, um, template for um for kind of how to stay engaged and one of the things i would do every day is just i would list three people that it would be good if i got in contact with whether it was an email or a text or a phone call or whatever people that are waiting to hear from me yeah. right um and if i didn't have three people waiting to hear from me maybe i had one waiting to hear from me i'd i'd pick two that i know it'd be good to be in touch with is right? this both both professional and personal or yes one or the professional other? Okay. and personal definitely okay. and then the next bit would be um who am i waiting for stuff from because that also just falls into the background sure. after a while and so anyway i mean i you know if i if anybody's listening to this in the future because i am applying for a job i'd just rather you just you know move forward to the next part of the podcast but <laughs> like because this is my own business god damn it <laughs> But I'm just in that 
space right now. And I'm, and the interesting thing is I'm also in a really productive space. So it's not just like I'm uh, like I have been in the past. I'm not just lost in the wilderness of all the yeah. things. Right. Um, I'm actually getting a lot done, but it's like, whoo, it's uh, the brain. I need like a serious memory upgrade. I need yeah. like, uh, I think these new MacBooks, my new MacBook Pro. I think I'm at like 60 or something like that. That's what I need. No more of this 18 uh, gigabyte business. Yeah. Anyway. Um, as you know, I've spent a good portion of my life developing tools to help me yes. with exactly the stuff you're talking about. And honestly, I've never found a perfect system that I stick with. Yeah. Um, like OmniFocus is great if you yep. get into a habit and you have a daily review and you're actually curating, like if you just let, let your inbox pile up and never file anything, it doesn't do any good. And if yeah. you file, file everything, but don't review it, yep. it doesn't do any good. Uh, because like the whole point is to get it out of your head into someplace you trust, right? Like basic yep. GTD stuff. Yep. Um, but if you get it out of your head and then forget about it, then you've actually done worse than just trying to remember everything you have to do. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, like, so I guess this leads into my mental health corner. Um, I had a one day manic episode mm. uh, just a few days ago. And like, I, I woke up at like 11 PM. I went to bed at nine, woke up at 11 and, just immediately knew I wasn't going to fall back asleep. Yeah. Um, I stayed in bed for like three hours anyway, just completely awake. Yeah. Um, and when it eventually drove me nuts, I went downstairs and did my usual thing, started coding, uh, wrote, wrote a bunch of code, um, and then crashed like that the, during the day, the next day, I just, I could feel it. I could feel it end. And I slept for the next two nights. I slept great last night was a bit of a rough night, but not like a manic night. Um, yeah. And the thing is, without all the tools I've built, I would have no idea what happened that manic night. Like mm. I do, I do not consciously remember because I had two really good nights of sleep. Yeah. Um, it like cleared my brain of all the stuff I was obsessively working on. Yeah. Um, and if it weren't for like doing which, uh, I have, I have it set up so that anytime I make a git commit, um, I have a, a default hook that gets initialized with any new git repository. So anytime I start a project, I initialize a git repository and there's a git commit hook that once it saves the commit message, it adds it as an entry in my doing file. Mm. So simply by committing, which is, you know, like I have a good habit of committing every change. Yeah. Uh, simply by committing within a project, I create a a record that I okay. can easily, easily pull up and say, here's what I was doing. And when I realize I'm manic, I add a default tag to my config file. So <laughs> any anything that gets anything that gets added to my doing file during that period gets a tag manic. Um, and then when it's over, I remove that tag. And that means that I can just write doing show manic and it will show me everything that I did when I was manic and I can plot that out. I can use the timeline output and actually see like a, a JavaScript of like a view based timeline yeah. of my mania. 
And I can see exactly like when I was manic, what I accomplished while I was manic, how long it lasted. Uh, And this last one was less than 24 hours, which is just weird. Like I've never had, never had a mania that lasted less than three days. Yeah. Um, And it, it hasn't been followed by any major depression. I want to talk to my shrink about microdosing. Oh yeah. 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 I'm, I'm really excited about the possibility. Like, I don't know if there are drug interaction concerns, uh, with things like psilocybin and LSD, Yeah. but from the results I've seen, and I have friends, like I went to a, <laughs> I went to a 70 year old trans woman's poetry reading on Friday and no, on Thursday night. And, uh, the crowd was mostly also 70 year old people. And the guy who introduced her was like misgendered her left and right in his introduction. It was, it was very uncomfortable to be there, but I met up with a queer studies professor. um, And halfway through the thing, she tells me uh, that she's on mushrooms uh, Mm. because she had been dealing with some major depression and a friend had uh, convinced her to try microdosing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that night, I think she might have macrodosed, but mm-hmm. she said that, like, she said, Have you tried macrodosing? <laughs> <laughs> she, she said that, like, just like tiny bits of a psilocybin cap um, did wonders to get her out of bed into the world. Um, feeling alert and and bright eyed and hopeful, and I like because we've talked many times about how I feel like my version of bipolar stable is actually leaning towards depression. Mm, uh, yeah, like right, right, like as long as I'm sleeping, I consider myself in good shape, but I also do not enjoy life much yeah. during those periods. Um, and I really, I think, and I can't. Because of the bipolar, I can't medicate the depression effectively mm. uh, because any good antidepressant will just make me manic. Right. Um, so I have to use these things like Lamictal that have antidepressant qualities. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, yeah, right. It, like it has qualities, but it's not an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and honestly, my ADHD meds increase dopamine um, and and make me and and help with serotonin production so that aids a little bit but once i'm depressed it's so weird when i'm manic one adhd pill uh in my case vivance right now um will it shoots me through the roof i'm like just just super focused coding writing uh like social like it's amazing what it does and then when i'm depressed it doesn't do jack. Mm-hmm. Like I can take it and I don't even notice like a difference. Yeah. It's like, not di- like the classic up or downer thing. Right. No, yeah. the depression can override the ADHD meds, which is, uh, it's kind of frustrating, but, uh, yeah. anyway, yeah, I'm, I, I really want to look into microdosing. I spent like a year of my life tripping balls, um, got really into, uh, like DMX and acid and uh, mushrooms and actually started dealing mushrooms. Mm. Um, I had a dealer that would like front me a pound at a time and I would just like sell it to college kids. 
Um, what like college kids wear? Uh, MCAD. Oh, MCAD, the art school. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was just tripping the whole time and got, I got really kind of good at like tripping and, and like maintaining a good trip and, and getting used to navigating the world in a hallucinogenic state. Um, which is cause I could never smoke weed. Like I I'm allergic to THC. Um, so like, I didn't have a lot of experience with any kind of hallucinogen until I get into that stuff. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is microdosing, which is not, you know, you don't trip, you're not like hallucinating. Yep. yep. I think I, I think I could navigate it fine. I think I'd be good at it. Yeah. I have the Michael Pollan book sitting on my bookshelf about the various uses of psychedelics. Um, what's it called? I'll add it to the show notes. Oh God. It's, uh, I'll have to, I'll have to search it, but I, for some reason, this is one of the things that my brain is just not holding. I, I, I added a poorly spelled note to the show notes. You can flesh it out when you have time. Um, um, you know, when you were talking about doing, um, I, which I've used. I mean, I love doing. Like, doing is one of the things. Like, I could tell you, I could sit down. I forget tell you. I could sit down, and and map out the perfect system for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and the elements and the tools and everything. Yeah. What's too, what's like not too much and not too little, and you know. Um, but my ability to stay with it is a whole different story. Yeah. Anyway, I think two episodes ago, our first question. Uh, our first big like question episode, right? You had asked about input devices, like the dream input device. And I, I said, somehow it would involve drumming. And I realized that like, what I, what I would love is like to, <laughs> to be able to like, it, my entry in doing would be triggered by like the end of a song drum thing, like <laughs> right. And then it pops up. It's like, what were you doing? Oh, thanks for asking. I was just, you know, and I'm just finishing out. Thank you. And then I count it off. I count off the uh-huh. last one. Right. Like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that would be perfect. Just perfect. But I want to say that like, um, I I'm in a stage of kind of being hard on myself about not being able to kind of hold with a system. But I remember, um, I had a therapist once and I was describing kind of this very thing where it's like, you know, imagine I'm walking on a berm, you know, and it's like I could fall down on either side. Um, I'll walk on that berm for a couple of weeks and then I'll, I'll trip and fall. Right. And, and if I'm not doing well, I'll just walk down where I fell. I won't try to climb back up on the berm. Yeah. Right. But if I'm doing well, I'll work to climb back on the berm and I don't know how long I'm going to last up there, but like, at least I went back up and she, she kind of affirmed that, you know, what's really important in this case is, you know, how to, she put it, really nicely you know how to call yourself back essentially and i i i find that i i put emphasis when i'm when i'm really conscious of it which i will be now that i've said it here i put emphasis on can i call myself back more than what have i sustained right yeah um and that seems to me far more um realistic as a human being and as an expectation of myself as a human being doing like yeah. knowledge work and all this other stuff. So anyway, I just want to add to that at the end, a little, so I'm not just being hard on myself. I forget to not be hard on myself. Uh, doing was actually one of the things I worked on when I was manic. Mm. Um, so I have been in the habit recently of adding plugin architectures to all of my tools yeah. Um, so they can be easily extended uh, w- 
if you know whatever language I happen to have written it in. Um, it's not like TextMate where you can like write extensions in any language, but yeah. but like doing uh, with just some basic Ruby school skills, you can add new features to it. And uh, someone asked me if they could output a view by day where like everything was grouped by day in a table um and you could just like see kind of a calendar view of of what you had done and i was like that is absolutely an export plugin and uh in about maybe 45 minutes i wrote one page of code that now you can type dash o by day uh all one word by day yeah. And it will it'll output an like an ASCII doc table of all of your all of all, so you, you can combine it with any command. So like doing today or doing since or or doing show any command that has output, you can just add dash o by day and yes. and it'll output in that day format. And it just like I've really been appreciating this this focus on plugin architecture because even if no community no community like evolves around it mm -hmm. even if you don't have like an obsidian or notion or textmate kind of community making extensions for you just from a code maintainability perspective uh the ability to add features that are optional and are completely modular and i didn't have to go in and edit any of the core code yeah. to do it i i am I, I I will moving forward always always include a plugin architecture like marked kind of you can use custom processors and you yeah. can write them in any language right. but they're it's also a little flaky like the best way to crash marked is to use a custom processor. Um, <laughs> is that what best, you wrote in your iTunes review? On <laughs> the best the best and most consistent way to crash marked is to fuck up your. Your custom processor, <laughs> it it is it is not graceful when things go wrong, and I've tried to fix that. But like the idea is there; it's extensible. Like you don't yeah. want to use multi markdown or GitHub flavored markdown. Add your own processor and use whatever you want. Yeah, right, um, right, right, right. So it, this isn't like a new concept to me, but it is definitely something I'm trying to make like an elegant part of anything I code now. I love that. And it actually speaks to something I've been meaning to bring up with you on the podcast, which is that in the last couple of weeks, I've moved back completely to NV Ultra. For, I was using Obsidian for some things yeah. and whatever. And um, I just, I find that, uh, I find that the closer I can feel to my actual text files, <laughs> um, the more comfortable I am. And obviously NV Alt is and was that, and NV Ultra is that as well. And what I had been doing was sort of using a single notes folder that Obsidian can act on and mm -hmm. pull from, right? But also NV Ultra. But I don't, and this may just be a, like my own like personality disorder or something, but like in the end, and you and I have talked about this when talking about sublime text versus VS code. Like I find that I just feel more comfortable and, and I feel more of a flow when I feel super close to the text file itself. So like if you're the type of person that's going to even go in the direction of text files, right? Like why not stay as close to those files as you can? Well, um, yeah. well the other, the other commonality there between sublime text and, uh, NV ultra is, is 
operating system, like being as close to the operating system as possible. Yes. Um, Electron and, I mean, uh, Obsidian and VS Code are both Electron and do not integrate fully with Mac OS, um, which is, that's for me, that's why I prefer Sublime and NVUltra, just like right down to uh, Sublime less so than NB Ultra, but it uses real Mac OS components and yeah. you're, you're like directly interface with the operating system. And can you explain what Electron is and why it doesn't integrate fully with the operating system? Electron is a, a layer. Uh, it's a web-based layer um, where you're basically, I think, mostly in Node.js. Uh, but they build their own components that run within kind of, you could consider Electron like uh, an operating system layer yeah. um, that provides all of the interaction between the components and everything. Okay. Uh, but they are not, a text field in Electron is actually a web field, mm. um, like an HTML field, not an OS, like a Mac OS text field. Right. So things like system services are abstracted away from from working the way they would in a cocoa text field uh, mm-hmm. and like an NS text field. Um, it's it it provides a lot of flexibility, especially for developers who want to write cross platform applications. Right, like an Electron app with very little effort can run on any operating system. And is that the primary attraction to it, and the reason for its popularity? For, Yes. Among developers. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that is why you would make an Electron app is is for cross-platform availability. It also makes a lot of things easier. Like the the things that VS Code can do, um, it can do more easily because of the Electron kind of ecosystem around the functionality. Yeah. Um, And what makes like VS code so popular is just the sheer adaptation adoption. I mean, um, by users and the number of packages available and no, the amount of, yeah. the extensibility of it. Yeah. Um, it is easily five times what, uh, sublime text has ever had available. Mm-hmm. It's insane. What it you is can insane. extend it yeah. to do, but I just run into enough friction when I try to use it the way I want to use my IDE, I run into enough little, like not being able to run system services. Like it's yeah. a big deal for me. It seems like a small thing, but I kind of rely on, on, on the text navigation, the custom key bindings and the system services that I'm used to having in any Cocoa text field on any app on my Mac. And then suddenly <laughs> they don't work. Yeah. And it, it's friction for me. And it just it's sublime. Sublime has enough packages that do what I need to do. Um, I'm just more comfortable in it. Well, and when I get really drawn into Obsidian, it is because of it's not just that there's the sheer number of plugins because it is pretty incredible. There's a woman who keeps a um, who keeps a weekly uh, who runs a weekly newsletter that always lists like what's new, what's in the approvals. You know, I'm always like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Um, but I actually, the more, the more sort of plug-in, the more plugins you have, the more plug-in like spam you have kind of. Yeah. It's less like, 
And I forget, this is what happened in Obsidian. I was like, let me just really look at how I use Obsidian. Do I really need Obsidian for this? Because yeah. the other things I used to do, there are plugins to do this. There are other ways of doing this that make me feel a little closer to the note. And I don't the, know if that's just me being artisanal. <laughs> the, the one thing Obsidian does that I wish I could convince Fletcher to steal is backlinks. Yeah, backlinks uh, are good. Although I like them better in Rome. But yes. Sure. Like, <laughs> like NV Ultra has wiki linking, and yep. you can you can with autocompletion add a wiki link to another note, uh, and it has somewhat of a back button feature. Like you can navigate backwards in history, so you can go back to the note you clicked from, but you can't see what all notes link to your current note, and you can't easily see any kind of graph of where the notes link together. Yep. Um, and that is that is the one thing about Obsidian. Like, it's I'm, tons of fun. I'm like you, I I prefer NB Ultra and just being very close to my text files. And mm. just basically it serves as an interface to raw text. And that's right. what I love about it. Um, Obsidian abstracts that by one layer. It's still a, a, a bucket of raw text, but yeah, it has. totally. The thing with extensions and plugins is it's very easy for me to add too many and no longer know why something's happening, Same. which is what I always run into in VS Code. The first thing I do is add, uh, you know, the recommended packages for, say, Ruby or Swift or Markdown. And uh, I get a bunch of a bunch of packages that all provide different features. And I no longer know when I when I experience a behavior, what caused it or why or where this keyboard shortcut is coming from. And I've never spent enough time with it to really get good at tracing that backwards. Well, and there's a relationship in a way to, so like if, I mean, I know I don't speak just for myself here, but what what is so attractive about text files for me, besides the future proof aspect of them, um, is that I don't get distracted with um, formatting, which I am just prone to do. Mm. Um, and if you happen to just naturally think a text file in Markdown format looks beautiful, then you are a lucky, lucky, wonderful person. Yeah, <laughs> I am one of those people. And so for the same reason, I don't want to be in a bloat of formatting features. I don't want to be in a bloat of plugins, yeah. you know, because that's where I'll go. Like, and, and with Obsidian, some of those plugins, like the way you can almost turn every sentence into a kind of data and then yeah. do data views, like that is stuff that causes you to alter how your text files are written. Yeah. And, and I, that has never been worth it in the end for me. Yeah. And I, and I often am super suspect of, of people who do their initial few Obsidian videos, right, on YouTube. I would love to know what it actually looks like for them a month later, two months yeah. later, a year later. It's not, I'm not trying to be catty. I just mean like, I wanna see the data generally, like how many people after they dive in and install their plugins and whatever are still on the platform, right? Yeah. Like, and and with text files, just used to something like NV Ultra, that's never something you would think about. It's like, this is just where my notes are. Yeah. You know, I mean, the thing I think about most is how poorly I've labeled my notes over the years. But there, so <laughs> I, I speak at, I speak at Max Stock pretty regularly. Um, not going to this year, but um, there's always at least one person that does a presentation on productivity you know, of some kind. And one year it'll be Notion, and then one year it'll be Obsidian. And like you'll watch the same person 
do a deep dive yeah. on on this new app that solves all the problems. Yeah. And the next year, it's something else. It's something and the next year, they moved on. And um, I think it's really easy to get distracted by new shiny. Um, and it's really easy to recognize, to see the power in something, the possibilities. Yeah, yeah. it's exciting. Uh, but uh, when you really sit back and look at like, what's the portability? If I use these new syntaxes and and come to rely on this data layer in this app, and then I want to move to something else a year from now, uh, will all of this, will all of these systems that I built around it cease to function? Right. And it makes you, it makes you crave minimalism. Yeah. It makes yeah, you, it makes totally. what's, what's the bare minimum syntax I can add to this to accomplish what I actually need without being lured in by like, oh, but I could yeah. get that. I could get this special view if I use this right. like very specific syntax that would be impossible to regex out later. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And by regex out, you're, you're, you're hitting the thing, right? It's like, for me, if I go deep on something and change, essentially I add a new syntax to my text files, it's going to be a year or two, but I'm going to want to be writing a script that takes all that shit out. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and it's not, and none of this is to like judge people who are excited about obsidian or anything. It's just, it helps me to kind of explore my own, like, I just find it, I, I don't know why, you know, those of us who have such an intense draw towards text files and markdown and that stuff, I, I would love to know what is going on there beyond what we're able to articulate, right? Like, yeah, because it's a type of person. <laughs> let, let, let me just, yeah, as a, as a, as a caveat, um, I, I think Obsidian is amazing. I think it's it a, is. It's a really cool app with a lot of power. And even if you just used it at its bare minimum, um, it's a great companion to NB Ultra and potentially a complete replacement for NB Ultra. It's a solid app. I'm not yes. I'm it's not incredible. I'm not dissing it. There are there are a couple of friction points for me, but I don't begrudge anybody their love of, of Obsidian. It's a solid app. Yep. Yeah. My only issue with it is the way it changes how I behave. And the way I behave because of it, it's not, it has nothing wrong with the app. I mean, it's cool. And I actually love, I love communities that are just, just like popcorn popping plugins and, mm -hmm. and ways to use it. I, I learned so much from that, but I just happen to be returning home right now. That's where I'm at on my journey. That's actually, um, one of your, one of your interview questions that we may or may not get to was what was the first app or program that expanded your sense of what could be possible Oh, and yeah. and my answer to that would definitely feed into what we're talking about right now. But I'm going to take a quick sponsor break. Okay, sounds good. Um, our sponsor, Collide, has some big news. If you're an Okta user, they can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. How, you ask? If a device isn't compliant, the user can't log into your cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in zero trust architecture, device compliance. Without Collide, IT struggles to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date. Unsecured devices are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked. 
Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Visit collide.com slash overtired to learn more or, bu- or book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash overtired. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, I, I've got a podcast uh, to talk about. Oh, do the tell. Ner- the Nerd Room. Um, are you looking to get more out of your fandom experiences? Always. Uh, do you wish you had the time to keep up with all the latest news and insights about your favorite film franchises? Generally. Well, then look no further than the Nerd Room Podcast, a weekly audio experience with deep dives into the latest news, reviews, and speculation from the worlds of Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. Whether you're a casual fan or a diehard enthusiast, the Nerd Room has something for everyone. Plug into the Nerd Room Podcast every Thursday on all major podcast platforms and let them bring the nerd to you. For more, from the nerd room head to the nerdroom.net or use the hashtag hashtag we the nerd hashtag we the hashtag nerd. we the nerd yeah All so right. so do you want do you want to do you want to dive yeah, into this question for a couple of minutes yeah let's do it so the first app or program that expanded your sense of what could be what can be possible or as a user or a programmer uh, for me, it's both. It's TextMate. Um, mm. So I, I, I didn't start using a Mac until 2000. Um, I was always a PC Linux guy up until that point. Um, and then OS 10 came out and, and I got into it and I started, I learned a little Apple script. Like I'd been using VBScript and, and I had learned Pascal and C and stuff before that. But like Apple script was a, a new beast that allowed me direct interaction with apps. And that was fun. Um, and then I, I, I heard about this text editor called TextMate and I downloaded it and I opened it up and it was like a blank screen with no buttons. And, and I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And I quit it and went back to whatever editor I was using at the time and maybe BB edit. And, and I didn't think about it again for a few months. Um, and then someone pointed out like how to do a certain thing using a bundle in TextMate. The plugin architecture was called bundles. And so I loaded it back up and and I opened the bundle editor and I began to immediately see how extensible it was and how it could be crafted. And, and like the lack of buttons became, it was the first time that I had had uh, an editor of any kind without a toolbar. Um, and cause you know, I came from windows in like Microsoft yeah, word, yeah. uh, which is just overloaded with buttons. And, and I began to see the elegance of everything being keyboard based, everything being plugin based. Um, and that's why I learned Ruby. Uh, my strongest mm. language today is Ruby. And it is all because the easiest way to extend TextMate was with Ruby. And I learned Ruby specifically to extend TextMate. Um, Alan Odgard, the, the creator of TextMate, ran a mailing list and was just super helpful to newbies like me um, who I, I would ask the dumbest questions. And he would gently explain like, well, here's where you went wrong. Here's what you need to do. Here's how it would work. And mm. and he he fostered the community, uh, which was very active uh, for an app at the time. 
uh, probably not to the extent that you see like Obsidian and Notion communities now, uh, but in its day, in the in the early days of kind of extensible Mac software, mm-hmm. uh, it was a it was a vibrant community full of very helpful people, and like the mailing list was like it was like Usenet just full of ideas and and helpful tips, and that was to me it's still the gold standard. Like it it was a Mac app that literally gained its popularity on the basis of its extending extend ex, ex, the community that was extending the application like yeah. he built he built something that was very much designed for community involvement and it mm-hmm. became it became a uh, uh, cult status really um if you if you know you know like textman yeah. was was the original and yeah it was fun to be a part of and it really opened my eyes that's awesome. I, I, that was my first text editor text mate. Um, and I was not, uh, writing plugins or bundles, but I sure used a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't happy to have to leave it. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? What happened to it? Then? Well, so TextMate 2.0 was in alpha for years and eventually he open sourced it and, um, people got nervous because it was never reaching a stable state um and everyone just began to consider textmate kind of dead yeah um he did eventually release textmate 2.0 but at that point at that point like everyone had already started to move on and new editors had started to crop up and people's loyalties uh had shifted and I mean, there are still people who use TextMate, yeah. and and it's still a solid editor. Um, but uh, the 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 arena was rife for new competitors, and and some some text editors really stepped up. I mean, BB Edit is yeah. still like, man, Rich has never dropped the ball. <laughs> like, oh, actually, years. my first my first text editor. What was the what was the kind of light version of BB Edit? Um, was it Text Wrangler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Text that's Wrangler, it. Text that's Wrangler, right. that's right. Which was um, moderately scriptable and just a good, solid interface to the NS text field. Yes, totally. Yeah. That my um my first job uh, editing a website. Uh, the person who had created the the website, you know, was like, "Here's here's what you need to do to every post in Text Wrangler," and that was my first experience of having a text editor and and realizing that like there are these things that can do these things to text that yeah. aren't Word um, <laughs> and don't leave artifacts. <laughs> the the strength of both Text Wrangler and BB Edit, um, yeah. aside from you know scriptability, which is. Like I find BB Edit scriptability uh, being all Apple script based uh, to be a little bit confining for yeah. for like string string manipulation in Apple script is a bitch, um, but uh, their real shining strength was the size of text files they could open so um, and so not funny. and not freeze. Totally. Like, so many other text editors had this thing where if you opened a one megabyte text file, yeah, you were going to crash it or you were going to spend a lot of time with a spinning beach ball waiting to yeah. scroll down a page. 
Yeah, I've always got um, I've always got BB edit in my bag because like yeah. I'll often open up a text file. It turns out to be way too much for mm-hmm. Sublime to handle. Yep. And I open it up and BB edit. BB edit's like, what do you want to do? Yep. No um, problem. Which is great. I think for me, my the the app, I'm thinking I'm going to speak as a Mac user. And I, I started using Macs in 2002. And um, when I was pointed to Quicksilver, um, the first like launcher slash, you know, you can make compound requests into this thing with a keyboard shortcut pops up. Um, just what I use Alfred for now or what other people use launch bar for and all that stuff. Um, when I saw that there was a way to interact with apps and with files without having to be in a specific app or be looking at a specific file, that that was a paradigm shift for me. Um, that I could actually operate my computer from this little line that pops up in a window rather than having to go in through nested folders or have to Mm -hmm. search through finder or have to, you know, all the different stuff it could do from how it interfaced with iTunes to how it interfaced with, you know, web browsers and, and, and search engines to how it interfaced with like getting a file into an email, whatever. Like I had no idea because I had never used the command line or anything like that either. Right. So I had no idea you could act on your computer without using sort of the GUI Mm -hmm. (laughs) in front of you. And that was amazing. And the dude was super mysterious. Like, I don't think people knew who he was back in the day. They do now. Uh, I could be wrong, but like he was mysterious. The icon was mysterious. Like everything about it was mysterious, including how it acted on my computer. So I just felt like I had something real special on my hands. Um, And of course, like when I think about using Alfred now, it's like it's such a dominant part of my computing experience yes yeah. um, launch bar for me but yeah. yeah we just we can just take it for granted but when that thing came out it was just like you do what now the, the <laughs> only the only reason i ever trigger spotlight is to launch launch bar if it crashed. <laughs> exactly oh yeah i remember sometimes when alfred crashes i'm like fuck what do i do now <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah i remember <laughs> yeah no i'll 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 use uh, who to spot for all of my file searching and launch bar for all of my launching and file operations. Uh, Quicksilver was kind of in the same boat as TextMate for me. Yeah. Where it, it, it had a lot of plugins too. Yep. It was extensible and it, it revealed a mode of operation that I never had in windows. Mm. Um, there was no, there was no parallel for me in the in the operating systems i was coming from and i like i immediately latched on to spotlight uh it was one of the the first cool things about the mac um and spotlight has come a long way uh with siri integration and and file previews and drag and drop and everything it's come a long way since like os 10 first came out uh but quicksilver like quicksilver was amazing it was so amazing. It felt like having a superpower. It did. And <laughs> and and the likes of Merlin Man uh were all about it. And I think I think I actually got into following Merlin Man because of uh his his Quicksilver uh uh posts. And was there was that a- in the forty three folders days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's how I learned about it too. And I didn't know that was Merlin Man. I didn't know I didn't know from Merlin Man, but I knew that site. Do you remember Quicks? It was a, yeah. a bookmarklet yeah. that you could yeah. write like extensions to do all kinds of stuff with web pages. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think I, I, think I learned about that from Merlin too. <laughs> also, yeah, but- I learned I learned about GTD from Merlin. He was the reason I bought Getting Things Done by David Allen was yeah yeah was uh, was Merlin Man. It's interesting. That was such a, I mean, I guess it was such an exciting time because they had just left their old version of their operating system behind. And so it was just everybody playing. Like when did the first OS 10 or OS OS 9 is, is OS 9 the end of the previous uh, operating system? Okay. So when was the first OS 10? I I believe, I believe, uh, was it Tiger or Jaguar that came first? I think Tiger. I think Tiger was 2000. Okay. Got it. Got it. Back when you had to go get it in a box. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Grandpa. Not, not, not a pile of three and a half inch floppy disks, but still in a box. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It was in the, in the age of CD ROMs at that point. Oh, CD ROMs, man. What a mess. I used to I used to archive everything, um, like everything from my email to my project files and everything on burnable CDRs. Same. And then eventually, as as DVD Rs became available, I started writing. But I just had you, you remember those like books of cds like that you could get in like i have one i have one in my basement full of backup cds i have yeah i have like dated books and like i i had to create i found apps that would create indexes Mm. searchable indexes of like a 12 cd set oh that's cool and then you could pop in one cd and use it to figure out which cd you needed to load yeah um but it was it was a kind of messy system compared to the way I archive these days, but oh, it was totally messy. It was totally messy. Like I remember having to like, if I was, if I was backing up my iTunes library, I would have to do it across like 10 CDs, mm-hmm. right. Or my, yeah. or my photos library or whatever yep. it was. So I actually, a, a couple of years ago, worrying that I maybe had lost some of those early files decided I was going to put my, I had a, I had all my backup CDs in like, you know, the CD, like, tube yeah yep. <laughs> the cds came in um i i kept them all in there but then i was like nah i don't like that because i want to make sure they're you know they're probably gonna last a good long you, while you want, you want them in archival quality sleeves so i got the big kind of book you know it's like square yeah and it's mm-hmm. got four per page or whatever and i put them all in and i took a paint marker and i labeled each slot and then i brought each one in and 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 put it in a folder with the name of the of the slot Mm-hmm. um as the first step and then i went and organized the files but yep, it was delightful I w- it was cool man I, they all worked i think there was maybe one that was not working and that's basically true of my three and a half inch disc too i love crazy. i love i love collecting i love yeah. developing systems to maintain a collection that's like a fetish for me totally man yeah ever, I'm ever, a, since, ever since my early days of rock collecting like i just love i love that coming story. up with cataloging systems and, it's the best yeah it's the best <laughs> well i think we, this is a good flow into graptitude even yeah. though it's been graptitude yeah <laughs> you want to you want to give me sure. yours sure um my pick this week is regex rx um or as as jeff used to say it rejects rx <laughs> we first um, started working together that's right i was like it's regex <laughs> <laughs> um 
And and no, I don't care if you say regex or regex. Uh, this isn't a gif gif problem. Um, but it is a it's there are a bunch of regular expression testers out there, patterns and oyster, and uh there are websites designed for testing regular expressions. But I find regex rx, despite it being like ugly, like Java app ugly. Um, it is the most effective. It handles the most different variants of uh, regular expressions um, because there are different there are different standards that handle different like character sets differently and everything. Yeah. And it has this amazing feature where you can paste from and to different languages. So if you have if you're working in JavaScript and you copy out your regular expression from your text editor and you use paste as JavaScript, it will convert it into a more standard PCRE regular expression in the field. And then when you're done testing and editing, you can do copy, copy special uh, JavaScript and you can do it as a uh, pattern or it can give you the full code for like uh, a replacement and and copy it right back into your editor um it can do objective c it can do uh java it can do javascript it can do ruby um python uh, it can create the code you need to turn a regular expression into um code you can use and then as you you give it like your test string and then you start working on your expression and it shows you like all of all of the captures and individual capture groups, um, either named or numbered, depending on how you write your regular expression. And it is just like the most complete, most usable regular expression tester for me. I don't remember how much it costs, but I do think it's available in the app store. I'm going to look that up. That's awesome. Sounds great. I want to play with it. I love rejects apps. <laughs> Who doesn't? $4.99. It's $4.99. Oh, that's a sweet price. Yeah, damn good deal. Can I? Um, so I have an app to talk about, but I also have um, the theme is file navigation. Um, but I want to recommend something, a little life hack. So I've been going through, like I said at the beginning, like all these files from a five-year project, um, which are sometimes mixed in with personal files a little bit, right? And I have all these screenshots, like eight fucking million screenshots, and. I finally realized what I can do is I'll just make a dedicated iPhotos library, dump them <laughs> all in there. I'll be able to get rid of duplicates and I can just quick browse them all um, and, and decide what I want or just let it be. And I really want to recommend that it was a, it was actually really fun. I ended up discovering things that I'm really glad I made screen grabs of. Nice. Um, but anyway, so a few or several or maybe a dozen or more episodes ago, you and I were talking about forklift versus Pathfinder. Yeah. And we had both fallen on the forklift side. And I had told you I go back and forth and mm -hmm. I feel like that'll happen forever. And I have um I have gone <laughs> forth um or back to Pathfinder because I've been doing a ton of working with files and, and old archives and stuff, yeah. files. And you know what? It's my current favorite. It, right. it, it is a little more. So what I found with forklift is when I started getting really like spending a lot of time in the app, looking at files, comparing files, whatever else that like, it was a little rigid for me, okay. but 
Pathfinder, I don't even use most of their, what do they call them? Like buttons or whatever. They have these like almost like plugins uh, you can or, use, yeah. widgets or something. I don't really use any of them, but I find that the way I can manipulate the Finder environment inside of Pathfinder is is just, it is, I guess, what I need. So I will let you know when I go back to Fork. <laughs> but my gratitude today is is Pathfinder, which like, you know, that's it, it's a big deal to have like a, a more powerful Finder app that keeps getting better or stays alive at all. And uh, and I, I just want to give props to the developers for that because they really keep it moving. Um, and, and now I'm back in it. So hi forklift forklift. I love you too, though. That's all Uh, I got. So in a part that has since been edited out previously, we, we did, we did mention pop clip. Um, and I, I wanted to tell you, so a lot of the pop clip extensions I've written and I have a whole collection, uh, linking pop clip extensions in the show notes. Um, (laughs) Um, so I have a whole bunch, but a lot of them use modifier keys to provide multiple actions. Like there's a, a critic markup uh, extension that gives you like insert, delete, uh, comment, highlight, depending on which modifier key you hold down when you trigger it. Wow, I didn't realize that. But it's too much to remember and it drives me nuts because... Uh, even having one alternate action, like uh, the numbered list um, extension does markdown numbered list cleanup and can convert like a bullet list to a numbered list, et cetera. And if you hold down option, it gives you a bullet list instead of a number list and it'll convert. Okay. Um, okay. That one's easy enough to remember, but you get these ones with multiple modifier keys. It's impossible to remember unless you're using them every day. And um in a recent update to pop clip, I've forgotten the Nick had added this thing where holding down option key, like always gave you like a preview of the text and holding down shift copied it to the clipboard. I did not know any of this completely overriding all of my custom modifier yes, keys. Right, so that right. there's a defaults command listed on the, on my webpage. You can run defaults, right. And and override these new modifier key behaviors but the here and here's why i bring it up is he has plans for um kind of like sub menus so you trigger a pop clip extension and then the bar changes to offer you multiple options which to me is ideal especially if there are keyboard shortcuts for it yeah, um, way better than trying to remember what modifier does what. So I'm excited to see the future of PopClip and that once 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 that system is finalized and out, I will definitely make PopClip a new pick of the week here. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, I barely missed Christina. I missed her terribly. Yeah, no, I was lying. I did too. <laughs> no, this was fun. This was super fun. She's she's a she she brings she brings an element to this show that uh definitely is it it's sorely lacking when she's not here. Um I don't know if that's true for me. I know it's true for you. You bring like it's true an for everybody. Anchor, you bring like an anchor to this show that when it's just Christina and me, things can get a little off the rails. <laughs> um, I think when it's just you and me, it's it's got a lot. Of, it's uh, it's got some male energy to it. Yeah, but... yeah, that's bound to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Well, Jeff, thanks for being here. Mm-hmm.
Get some sleep. Yeah. Get some sleep. The system is going down low. Hey there, good people. Before you go, we have a bunch of new places where you can interact with us. Please check out our Instagram feed, our YouTube channel, Twitter, of course, and sign up for the Overtired newsletter, which will sort of pick up where the show leaves off with expanded show notes, uh, a little bit of what the three of us get up to between episodes. And let's face it, there'll be some musings. How can you resist musings? You'll find details for all the ways to interact with us in the show notes and at overtired.com. And thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, for listening.